0: Welcome to today's episode of Infosec Journeys. I'm Colin Hardy. I'm super excited today to be joined by Nuno Teodoro, uh, the global CISO of TruPhone. Um, I'm excited, Nuno, to kind of really get to know what a day in the life of a CISO is all about, but more importantly, your progression, your pathway to, to where you are now within the Infosec industry. So why don't I throw over to you, Nuno, to give a, a quick introduction?
1: Hi, everyone. Uh, very pleased to be here. So my name is Nuno Tidoro. I'm the Chief Information Security Officer for Trufone, a um, UK-based company, and I've been in the cybersecurity area for around 10 to 12 years, and basically I've done pretty much everything from consulting, pen testing, um, compliance, privacy, and uh, now a Chief Information Security Officer. Really, Yeah,
0: that, that's one of the real appeals, uh, Nuno, for having you on the show to, to kind of explore your background, because you've done so many different things within the industry and have, have so much experience with uh, with the different areas. Um, and what I don't see a lot of, personally, when I speak to others in industry, are CISOs who have lived and breathed, you know, what it's like, technical, hands-on um, you know security engineering that kind of stuff and you've seen all the challenges um, I, I tend to see like CISOs develop from the security risk background uh, which is a little less ha- hands-on so so I guess uh, I'm interested to know what what your kind of um, you know what your role and responsibility is at TruePhone, what it looks like to be a CISO at uh, a global organization um, as big as Trufone. and and uh, and we'll further explore how you got into that
1: Yeah, sure. So, a couple of questions there, but I think probably starting um, why I have this technical background. So, um, I basically started um, on a computer engineering background and right before moving to a professional uh, first jump, I actually took a master. And right before starting the master, I already knew I wanted to do in cybersecurity. Um, so basically, I started already my thesis before starting the master um, around application pen testing, so uh, web applications pen test. So I think everything kind of built from that point onwards. Um, so my first job was as a pen tester and security auditor um, on mobile applications, web applications, networking. And then as I moved across companies, and actually you are also subject to the demands of the market. Um, I kind of shaped a bit the things that were I was focusing uh, professionally, so I moved more to a consultancy side uh, on let's call it paperware, but more on audit and controls and compliance, and more on the risk side, and then a bit back again to the more technical side of the cybersecurity aspects. Uh, and of course, as you evolve in your career uh, according to your aspirations, and my aspiration was to be a CISO, um, so you kind of get to understand that you need to not get rid of the technical part, I think that's a huge mistake, Uh, but to be more connected with the business needs, with the requirements of the business, with the compliance and the risk side of things and to your executive team and to your board. And that kind of creates a different skill set for you and requires that you have a different way to talk and to approach uh, the cybersecurity subjects. Not that you are not technical anymore, but you need to do things differently. And of course, if you need to move to that path, you cannot work day to day on reverse engineering malware, on penetration testing, on uh, debugging code to find uh, malicious patterns on applications. So it's just something that it's not compatible because the day only only has 24 hours. <laughs> so that's really, um, the, the point where sometimes I feel that uh, only 24 hours is not good enough. Um, but then you have to live with that. And um, that just takes me to the other part of the question. How's the life of a CISO? Um, every CISO's life is different. It depends on the company, it depends on what the company feels uh, the, CISO sh- the CISO should be. Uh, and you will find it everywhere. And there are organizations that have a CISO because they need to have someone with the title a CISO. Um, and you have organizations, luckily for me, like on that to really care about security that really need to have someone to create the strategy and the programs for cybersecurity for a medium long period of time, um, and actually to elevate the, the maturity of the cybersecurity um, in the organization. So there, there's two kinds of approaches that organizations take these days. Um, so my day-to-day activities, oh, that, that's really hard to say, and I'm gonna explain why. Um, most of the days I woke up with something in mind. Uh, I really want to close that business to that, that subject. I really want to create uh, that program. I really want to spend the whole day dedicated to one subject, and then everything happens. So you have an incident you have someone calling, you have something that is mandatory. you have a request from an exec. You have one thousand things that just creates um, a way of working there is completely um, out of what you already defined for your daily strategy, which is very interesting, to be honest with you. Um, I really like this dynamic of working. Of course, you sometimes need to say, I'm really out for these two or three days and to focus on what you need to do. Um, But in case of my position here in the company in Trufon, Um, Being a CISO, I'm responsible for the cybersecurity technical controls, for the risk side of things, for the compliance side of things. Uh, Also, I have a big part on privacy and being the the right support of the DPO. Uh, Also, the vendor risk assessment. So, there's a lot of things. And also incorporating the internal audit, all the certifications, all the uh, questionnaires and external audits from our customers. So, everything kind of is... Uh, tunnel to my team so if I can explain to you what a day-to-day looks for me as a season, is basically try to juggle a lot of balls
0: yeah so I'm really sorry I'm really keen as well to know then so I've got honestly I've got so many questions (laughs) because I I feel like a lot of what you say really kind of resonates with uh, with my own personal journey and and, and mindset as well Uh, but I guess Really, one of the questions I have is when you initially took this role as CSO, oh, you have got such a um, um, a wide range of experience. Did you really feel that like you you knew at the time when you applied for the job at Truefirm, for example, mm-hmm. that you were ready? Not not that like you you weren't didn't have the skills, but like you understood actually all of the requirements and all of the uh, responsibilities of a CISO, of different things being fired at you, did you feel like you were, you were kind of skilled and ready or was there a lot of kind of learning along the way as well?
1: well I, I think it's a mix of both because of course I had already the best experience of being information security officer for a big company like Allianz uh, which is a, a very very good school and I had a very very solid consultancy background with big four companies and I had also a very technical background so i in my perspective, I already had the foundations and the basis of what a CISO should do. And I pretty much had already fulfilled the job of a CISO with a different name, with Information mm-hmm. Officer, name has a role, with Information Security Director, name has a role. So it's just a different naming. Um, and you, you call it a CISO, a Global CISO, an Information Security Officer, a Chief Security Officer, whatever you want to call it, in the end of the day is, which are your responsibilities? what you need to do uh, in terms of hierarchy and, and requirements for your team and for the organization. And of course, I thought I need to understand more about the business side of things because every business is different and you really need to, as a season understand which are the crown jewels of the company and that's mandatory. And of course, you just need to then take all your past experience, all your learnings from the past, and try to shape it to the culture to the demands of the company so basic um, basic answer it would be hybrid basically uh, yes and no because I knew I had the foundations uh, but there was uh, of course a path of learning uh, when I moved to Trufomb as a CISO.
2: So yeah you're a, you're a very technical person um... At heart, you can see that from your LinkedIn profile and your CV and what you've done. You are very technical and you started out being a pen tester. So, naturally, you're going to be technical just from doing that role. You know, just doing that role. How did you go from being a technical, technical minded to then also being business minded? You know, to be a CISO, you have to be both. So, how did you
1: get that business skill? And yeah, that's a good question. I think that's basically as you evolve as a professional and as you grow in terms of hierarchy in the company, you are just constantly um, confronted with uh, with different situations. And you really need to think that you are working for a company and you are responsible for the security of the company, meaning the shareholders, the executive team, the customers and not what you thought before, like, I really want to test this security technology because it's the best of breed and it was just released. Yeah. But how does that fit into the strategy that you've created for the company? Uh, Do you need to spend that money or do you prefer to allocate that budget to a different thing that supports the roadmap for a future product for the company? So you kind of start thinking this way, which I cannot say that it's hard or easy, but it's just different and you just go with it. And uh, in the end of the day, you never stop being technical, but of course your way of thinking goes a bit more to the business and a bit more to the risk side of things and to the compliance side of things. But you are still very capable and able to judge technical situations. You will never be, uh, I must say, uh, the best technical guy in a certain aspect if that person works day by day by day with that technology, but you need to be so broad in terms of knowledge and in terms of understanding business um, or requirements aligned with technology requirements, then it just creates a different mindset for you.
2: That's, that's good. I mean, you know, I really like what you're saying there. Um, and some of our listeners will, you know, would, would probably say, you, you're, for a cybersecurity professional, you're, the t- you're at the top of the tree. Yeah, you're, you're you're one step away from owning your own cybersecurity business or being a CISO cybersecurity business. You're you know yeah. you're, you you've made it. For some of us, you've made it. You've, you've you've got there. So what what motivated you to to become a CISO? Now you've had you know so many different roles. You know, it, it was this something that that you, you always wanted to be. I think you said previously you wanted to be a CISO, but you now going from being a pen tester. To where you are, you know, like, there must have been something that shifted your mindset to, to, to make that, that, that journey.
1: I think it's, um, you need to really understand if you love this job. You, you not like it, you need to love it. Uh, most of the days I woke up and I really want to go to work. I really love what I do. So going a bit back, a bit back um, in a few years, so, when I was a pen tester, I kind of really liked that, but then there was, there was so many things around cybersecurity and information security. Well, in the days, it was more information security and not cybersecurity, but <laughs> just a different jargon. Uh, but I really wanted to understand more about more things. Um, and I didn't want to focus myself only in one thing, which was pen tests. First of all, I wasn't the best of it, and I like to be the best of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have a very solid background, although I was a computer engineer and I had a master's in computer engineering, I always knew I didn't want to be a developer, for instance. So I didn't have a very good development background. And I really believe that in order to be able to be a very, very good pen in some areas, web applications, mobile applications, uh, infrastructure, very specific um, systems, there's a lot of it to your background. And I didn't have a very, very solid background in those uh, development areas. So I kind of thought, okay, let's try to uh, move a bit to the left, to the right, and try to see um, what's more there in cybersecurity. So basically, I started to do some compliance and security audits, uh, along with the penetration tests, and then I was just moving to a different consultancy area with big fours and you kind of are hit with the business side of things in, in big four companies. Um, the way of thinking changes a bit because they don't really want the most technical guys. They want to really, really good technical guys, but with the ability to show to the customer, the return on investment of your, of your job. Um, and then moving a bit more to a manager side to, new things that were being, uh, let's say, the the spot-on in terms of cybersecurity um, in the market. I started to do different things, but there was a point in my career where I thought, yeah, I really want to move to inside the company and not be an external consultant anymore, and I want to create my own roadmap, my own strategy, and my own way of thinking and culture for cybersecurity in the company. And the way to do that is not being an external consultant but an internal one. And the only way that I thought that I could actually dictate the rules was to be on the top of the, the, the hierarchy where things are decided. So from an early stage I wanted to be a citizen. That's that's pretty much it. So I left the consultancy side, I went to to Allianz, to Munich. Uh, has an information security security officer, and I basically started to implement inside a company has an internal employee what I, what I already learned from an external consultancy side because has an ex- external you bombarded. Boom, sorry you are uh, basically thrown to the wolves to yeah. so many companies uh, <laughs> and, and you really you, you are not an expert of something and they, you are told you are an expert of, of this. Uh, or you need to be an expert of this cybersecurity area within three days. And you kind of need to investigate and study and learn and become an expert at least uh, least to the customer. Um, And it gives you a very good baggage in terms of learning new things and uh, and, um, basically uh, understanding how to get away with things. Um, So I had a very background of investigating, of creating different uh, methodologies on the fly. Uh, And I just took that as a learning path and implemented that as an internal employee and created my own strategy, which kind of went okay. So that's how I moved uh, to an information security director to a CISO. And uh, now at Trufon, I'm able to implement the strategies with the backbone of everything that I've learned from the past years.
0: I, I got a couple of questions, and I, I'll yeah. mark, I'll, I'll bookmark one of them here with you, and because I, I really want to talk about um, how you've throughout the career kind of taken on leadership responsibilities for people mm-hmm. like people management and stuff and what that, that transitions look like so i'll bookmark that one for a minute but also I, i'm i'm also keen to know that in order to kind of gain these different skills and experiences from going from uh pen testing security engineering etc wanting to get a risk background wanting to get more business exposure did you find you had the opportunities to do that within organizations like the same organization or did you have to do a lot of hopping around different different firms different jobs um, to, in order to kind of amass that skill set
1: yeah I must say that hopping around was a plus uh, because different companies have different requirements and they tend to push you to where they think is right um, so so you, you kind of need to go with it because you are working for that organization uh, so jumping around and being subject to different realities, different industries, different executive teams, uh, different way of thinking and creating budgets and allocating budgets to, uh, to products, to services, uh, to prioritizations, to strategies, really gave me an advantage in my, in my perception. Um, along with that, I was always a study guy. So I really liked to study and to take certifications, and to go uh, to online courses, to go to masters, to learn more about a certain subject, Uh, not because I want to add a lot of uh, things to my CV, but because I'm really curious, and I really love to learn, Um, Mm -hmm. and like to read, and I like to investigate new things, so combining both of that kind of creates a very good, uh, I would say, perspective professionally from me, um, in terms of what should I do and when should I do what and of course all of those realities that I I had jumping around companies was very very good for me. So did you did you kind of have like
0: uh, you know a few years ago in your career did you kind of have like a, a tick list of saying right I need to have you know these five key areas of experience before I can I feel confident applying for a CISO position or was it more like you know, you see a position of interest in a different company, you go and kind of try and maximize that and see where it takes you. And then you think, oh, well, the pathway has gone over here now. I'll kind of explore it. Or was it, or was it more kind of fixed and rigid?
1: Well, I had a checklist of things that I wanted to learn and to do. Um, but it has, has to be a season. I didn't have a checklist of I need to have this certification, this skill, uh, this master's, this post-grad. Um, I just aim and shoot. And basically I thought mm-hmm. myself, you're a smart guy. You can do it. Uh, you've been subject to so many different realities, to so many different industries, uh, different countries, different uh, cultures. Y- you'll manage. <laughs> <laughs> I've written that
0: down. Aim and shoot. I like it because that's so simple. Just why not? You know what I mean? Like, you feel... Why not?
1: If you, if you really trust your skills and you believe in yourself and you know that you are a hard worker guy, um, you, you can aim and shoot. That's pretty much it because... Everywhere you go, if they are asking for a CISO, it will be a different kind of CISO that you are already doing uh, because the culture of the company is different. The the way of the, the executive team, uh, team thinking is different. Uh, the employees are different. The country may be different. So you need to adapt. The foundations are there, but you just need to, like I said in the beginning, Aim and shoot, and just go with the flow, and take all your uh, background knowledge and implement it.
0: Oh, so let me come back to my bookmark. Oh, go on! I, I, I'm I was going to say I've, I've got I, so I, much I, here. I, I know. I remember. I, I was going <laughs>
2: to say I, I, I don't. I don't want to squash Colin's question about the people management, but I was just picking up. You know, you're really, you're, you're really confident. Like, you know. You come across as being really confident did you have you always been confident or did you build the confidence over time through experience or training you know how did you do that because I think it's really important for for someone to be able to job hop like that to be able to you know, have the confidence in themselves um can you are you able to explain how you built that confidence i I think
1: it was born with me okay it, personality to be honest i I've always been like this. But from an early age, uh, starting in, in the university, I always uh, placed myself on the spotlight. A, a bit on purpose, okay. learn how to deal with stuff. Uh, and I have a funny story. My first conference. So um, early in the, in the masters, I've joined um, OASP Portugal chapter. Um, and I went to a conference in Madrid uh, to present the end of my master's uh, thesis, which was basically a set of pen tests to web applications in Portugal, because I wanted to create like a, an overview of the Portuguese industry in terms of security in web applications. Web applications was really hot at that time. It was probably 2011, yeah, I think 2011. And here I, here I am, um, a recent uh, master's um, graduate, 20 something, 20 few years old. And I go to the stage and the curtain opens up and there's like 200 people in the audience. And I was like, God. Then I look at the f- the front row, the first row, Bruce Schneier. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to present dumb slides about my master's thesis. And I was like nervous. Um, so I think from the beginning, I also made myself uh, being in the spotlight and to deal with situations. So after a few years, you just go to conferences, you just give interviews, you just write papers, and you just do whatever with a certain confidence because you look back and you, you remember, yeah, I already did this in the past. So um, you kind of build yourself. So you need to have this in your personality. That, that's a, a given point, but you can also build this for yourself. You need to work on yourself. The best investment that you can make, um, like many, um, I would say, um, genius, genius people said, is in yourself. You need to invest in yourself. Either put yourself in critical situations to learn how to deal with that, uh, Also, uh, investigate, study, read do something for yourself and you you will improve as a person and as a profession
0: that's really Amazing. good advice yeah i think uh that that's so insightful what did did you get to speak to bruce schneier after your presentation by the way yes but i
1: i just said hello and <laughs> at the clock yeah i was um i was meant to be here for one hour and it's already 58 minutes so i need to go <laughs> So, so he basically flew flew from the united states to madrid he s- spoke for uh, one hour or 40 minutes and then he just uh said goodbye to the organization luckily i was part of the organization because i was part of oas portugal um I just shook his hand and yeah see you next time <laughs> nice, very good,
0: yeah. I had the pleasure of meeting Bruce myself actually a little while ago, but out in uh, Boston. Uh, he's a nice guy, but uh, yeah yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, I like your story. So looping um, to, back
2: to Colin's question. Then. Yeah,
0: let me come back to this. So I, 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 and I asked this with a tint of uh, kind of personal experience and, and kind of selfish insight, really, uh, to learn more about this. Because I feel like you're personally coming from a very technical background of, you know, reverse engineering malware. That's how I kind of cut my teeth into the industry. <laughs> um, uh, and now being in a leadership position, it, I, I, I find... Um, there's almost like a position or or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a a point that you get to where you think, well, I could just carry on here being super technical and go and be the best malware reverse engineer in the planet. Or, you know, actually I could help other people and, and kind of develop other people to be as technical as that and help them on their journey, et cetera. But I also, I find that quite a lot of technical people don't like the management. Like they're not interested. They want to sit in their bedroom. They want to sit in a debugger. They want to smash through Burp Suite on a you know pen test or whatever. And they don't want to manage people. Um, but they've got to have a manager, right? And you've got, to, you've got to be able to kind of bring these people on board and with the whole kind of strategy that you're trying to deliver. So I guess the, the question is kind of two-sided. How How do you find managing technical people? How do you, you know, kind of showcase their value? And then also the second part is... How do you develop those skills yourself? As a technical person, how do you kind of break free into that management
1: uh, arena? So again, I think it's something that either you have it or you don't, because not everyone is a people person. Uh, That's just a fact. Um, And if my my personality was, I just want to be the best reverse uh, malware engineer in the world, and I would spend my entire day doing that and I don't want to speak with anyone. I don't want to be managing anyone. I don't want to create roadmaps. I don't want to create uh, timeframes when I'm gonna finish my work. I'm gonna finish my work when I think it's perfect because that's how engineers are, right? Mm. We want to be um, delved into the, the, the technical side of things. So I'm a people person. So I like to talk with people. I like to manage people. Uh, And although I really like the technical side of things, I really like to create high performance teams. I like to look at someone and see that person is really good at doing something. He's probably a bit off. So if I give this and that advice, he will become a much better professional. And the way that I do this is, I, first of all, I need to understand if um, the person really likes what they're doing, if they are motivated, and what, basically what makes them get out of the bed in the morning. So the way that I create high performance teams is trying to find those people and try to create motivation into them and try to make them go through challenges and overcome those challenges. And I really like to manage them because I like to see how people evolve over time and there's several cases in my career uh, either here in Portugal, in, in Munich, where I created teams and I was really able to see the difference from year zero and year one and year two in these professionals that I was shaping because I also believe that we shape professionals in our image because we are basically Mm -hmm. trying to train them and the way that I train uh, my team is I always think I need to give them the ammunition to if I disappear one day they are completely capable of running the show and that's what I really try to do very transparent. I don't hide things. I don't do things like I'm the CISO, you are a manager or a senior consultant. You, you don't get to know these budget things and how I create the strategy and how I'll do this and how I will investigate these technologies and try to be the one that is in the spotlight and, and shines towards mm-hmm. the upper management. I really put everyone in the decision pot. They need to participate. They need to create their own roadmaps. They need to be connected to the whole strategy of the team. And I really put my hands in the fire for my team. And I know that I've created a good team because in the end of the day, they were already very good. And I'm just shaping them to what I think is better for them.
0: Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Really insightful. And you can see, I mean, you're so passionate. Uh, I can see that that will naturally, you know, kind of rub off on people around you as well. So um, kind of surrounding yourself with that high performance environment is Actually,
1: kind of like, a a funny story because it was just a coincidence two or three days ago i was talking with someone and i was telling uh that that person we need to give more challenges to someone in my team we need to make that person in my team just go to the next level and the way that you do that is you throw more challenges you make you need to make people grow you you don't your team to be always on the same level that that's the the worst thing you can do uh, for your team because you're a CISO so you are responsible for the security of the company for the risk for the compliance of course depends on the structures of the company but in my case I am so I need to have my team every year stepping up their game to a point where I'm already comfortable in I just need to take care of strategy and I'm very confident they will overperform what they need to do
2: Oh, that's, that's that's really cool. Um, how do you how do you train your team? Because you, know, you you have a PhD in cybersecurity. Do you train through education or experience?
1: Yeah. So the first correction is I don't have the PhD yet. So I part. Uh. <laughs> uh, that uh, I, I can make a, a side note here. So that was my. Aspiration, And I was very stubborn in, I really want to finish my PhD, but you try to do a PhD and being a CISO at the same time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's really not easy. So it, it's still there. The, the first two or three years are already done. <laughs> so I'll come back to that later. Um, but in terms of my team, um, they, are, they are really, um, I, I would say they are subject to both of things. I always make has an annual objective for them has a personal development to take at least one certification. Of course, if they cannot do it, we need to agree on something. There is there is more, let's say, certification level or academic level, because I really believe that there's a good way for people to learn to study to investigate, and the other side is they learn on the job because I don't have. A, I don't have a very big team. I have a, a small team, and we deal with a magnitude of subjects that is impossible that any of us is subject to only one or two areas of cybersecurity. So they are they basically know everything that a CISO should and need to do. And of course, they are a bit more specialized in three or four areas that they are their responsibility but they are always subject to other areas. So they really are uh, learning on the job on, I would say uh, a number of 10, 15 different things that if they move to a different company or they wanna move to a different uh, responsibility set within the company, uh, within my team, they are able to do that. So it's a mix of things. I really want them to study and to make something more academic because I believe uh, in that and I put them on the spotlight for a number of things on the job. How important then do you think,
0: um, it, certainly what I've seen in recent years, the kind of advent online of the, the kind of free open source courseware? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can go and study with Harvard, with Stanford, with MIT, etc., cetera, uh, pretty much for free as well. Do, do you think that's plays uh, a part in helping shape people's personal development in, in cybersecurity?
1: Yeah, of course, so you you cannot think, and this is something that CISOs often think, that you cannot think you're the best and that you know everything and you create better strategies and better roadmaps than everyone else. Um, You need to think that you can learn from someone and there's always a different perspective. Uh, One example, I took the the cybersecurity risk um, course from Harvard. And did I learn something? Yes. Was it everything new? No, of course. It's not supposed to be like that. But it also depends on how far do you want to take it. I could just have took the course and did the exams with the materials they provided, but I took the initiative of studying more and deeper and investigating all the use cases that they provided into the Harvard course. And you learn from that. You learn because you, you are forced to investigate how Equifax hack happened, how Yahoo hack happened. You can really investigate with the depth that, that, you, can, that you want. Mm. Basically, you are in control of yourself. So you can either learn a lot or least um, according to, you, to your will. And that's the same, in, for instance, if you take um, any university degree, you can study and pass the university degree with an average grade, or you can pass with the same average grade, but really investigate a lot and learn a lot for yourself. So that's basically what I think. You you need to decide what do you want to know? What do you want to learn?
0: Do, do you think then, honestly, I've got so many questions that I'll almost forget them if I don't write them down as I'm going through here. I'm like the world's worst interviewer, but I think... You covered so many points there, which, I'm, which fascinate me. Uh, I guess when we talk about if you went and did a master's degree in cybersecurity and you're fresh out of university, fresh with your master's, and you're trying to break into the industry, do you think the knowledge that you've learned on the surface, without, I mean, you've articulated there that if you go to town on it, if you really deep dive and you find out all of the, nut, all of the nuts and bolts, that so you, yeah. you'll definitely get immersed in in the real life. But do you think on the surface in academia, there's there's enough content to kind of prepare you for, for life uh, within
1: an InfoSec career? Well, you, you, have, you have very good things out there right now. Uh, back in the days, a couple of years ago, you didn't have this kind of offer that you have now. So you now have very, very good offers. The thing is, is it enough? It's good for you. It helps you. It gives you the foundations, but working experience is always the best thing for you. Mm. Being subject to, uh, to the business, to the requirements, to the pressure, it's very different of learning techni- uh, theoretical things uh, or technical things in an academic way. It's very different. Um, so, so, so that's why I say I always think that uh, my team or any professional for that matter, Uh, should combine both because you always are able to learn more in an academic way but you cannot just get rid of the professional experience because that's the the heart of things Mm.
2: how do you how do you suggest someone gains you know you fresh out of university you don't have any experience Uh, you know how 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 does someone get that experience you know so so Say I'm fresh out of university, I come to you, Nuno, you know, um, and I, I want to intern at phone. Do you think, is that something people should do? Or, you know, how do they get that experience without knowing anyone?
1: Um, yeah, for, for sure. I, I think uh, the, the first point is, if you are fresh out of university and you already have a passion for this area, then you probably already know a few names in the industry. You already mm-hmm. probably read a few blogs uh, from someone that you uh, that you think um, is is uh, someone that is credible um, in your field, you already try to do something at home because you are fresh out of university, right, so you probably have the time to go home after class and to learn a bit more, to study a bit more, to dedicate yourself to something that you like um, and then it 's just a matter of going to someone or applying to positions yeah i 'm fresh out of university i probably don't know much but in my free time i really like to investigate this subject or this subject and i'd like to learn from you and if you show up as someone very motivated and that really knows what you want i think 9 out of 10 companies will take you mm. one of the things that i really aim uh, to see in someone when i interview someone is the 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 way That they are motivated. If they are just looking for a job to make money, if they are just looking to step up from the previous job uh, into a different uh, role, or if they are really passionate by the the business and the uh, activities that they are going to perform in that role. So that's something that you don't need a degree to do, you don't need a a master, you don't need a postgrad, you don't need a certification, you just need to be very curious and very motivated. Yeah, fantastic.
0: What do you think about the, the kind of benefits of having like mentors uh, within the industry? Do you have people influences yourself that you maybe still kind of uh, chat with and help, you know, on a personal development point of view? Or do you think that actually there's not enough and, and you're leading that and you're, you're, you're trying to build that yourself? Probably a bit of both, I would imagine.
1: To be honest, I don't have any, uh, but I think it's, it's a good way um it's a good way to put yourself more connected into into that field mm-hmm. so if you are really specialized in one or two things of course read a few uh CISOs posts i like to follow a few CISOs. uh i'm not going to name them but i like to read a few things and a few opinions um and there's there are a couple of people that i really think they are super good uh, in their field uh, has a, a CISO or has someone uh, not a season, but very dedicated in a specific part of cybersecurity. And I like to read them and I like to understand what they think. And I like to uh, see how they deal with certain things because they are subject to different realities, to different per- pressures, to different uh, industries. And you can really learn from that because you can see the other um, side of the coin. You can see things with a different perspective and from either myself or someone else. If you are looking for a mentor, you just need to find a few names that you, you that are very talked in the market and you need to read a few things that they write and you need to see, okay, do I de- identify myself with this? Do I think it's right? Do, should I engage with him and explain or ask for explanations on uh, the points of view in certain things? Of course, it's always fruitful to Read about something that you consider that someone is a credible person in the industry, uh, but for instance, in my case i don't have a mentor uh, in a in a strict word of of mentoring
0: what's kind of as a cso then i mean with, with the skills and the career path that you 've been on so far so far like are, are you are you looking next at like what 's after what's what's the life after a cso or is it you know do you think to, is it like a, a CISO role in, in bigger and bigger organizations or do people tend to look at like maybe executive uh, positions?
1: That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a very good question. So I, I think it depends on the stage of life where you are. For instance, for myself, I'm still in the stage where I think being a CISO brings you so many challenges, so many things that you need to overcome that it's still very motivating, okay? Mm -hmm. So I think it depends on where you are. So for me, I see myself as a CISO in the near future because there are so many things, things are changing so rapidly in the cybersecurity industry. Uh, There are so many technologies to investigate and to know um, the, the, the way that you deal with your executive team and your board and your entire organization and the way that you are able to shape the culture of your organization, it's its such a large subject that there's so many things to do that for me, I still have my plate full. Um, in the future, I don't know where this is gonna take me, but uh, of course, being a CISO is it's something that I really love and it's uh, something that motivates me every day. So at least I don't foresee myself changing to a more executive um, strategic level less hands on in cybersecurity because I still think there's a lot of challenges to overcome
0: mm, still plenty of fuel for the fire yeah, as it were. Yeah. yeah and and
1: if you take a look at the the, the cybersecurity industry it's, it's growing and growing every year and there are so many things to be to be done out there then i think there's so many challenges You're and right. organization is also not static right so it changes the services change, the organization adapts to the world. And you as a season you need to adapt also. So that brings new challenges to you. It makes you overcome new things inside the same organization and with the same role. So I think there's still a lot to be done.
2: From, from what I see, it seems like you're really, really involved in the Portuguese scene, in the Portuguese, scene, uh, in, in, in the Portuguese informa- uh, information security. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talked about challenges, um, that you that you personally see what what challenges do you have uh, in portugal is it you know technology budget people you know or, or, you know or, or do you have no challenges and uh, it's interesting to
1: know no for sure we have we have uh, challenges um i would say budget it's a big challenge for every season that's of course <laughs> <laughs> number one <laughs> right. yeah. number one well i would say that number one is the culture Uh, of the organization and probably number two, the the budget. But uh, focusing in Portugal, Portuguese companies tend to be not as big as other multinational uh, companies. So the way that you deal with budgeting and requesting for resources, either people or technology or any kind of investment, is probably not as easy as in other countries. And also in terms of culture, um, it's a it's a, a country where we are kind of here, parked um, near the sea, and we are not subject to as many uh, I would say industry regulations and requirements as some other parts of the world. So that kind of creates a culture in the companies um, that cybersecurity is kind of the second thing or the third thing that they need to think because there are more important things. Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, if you go, I don't know if this is the best example, but if you go, for instance, to the UK, uh, a company, a medium or big company that is not certified in 7,001 is basically, you don't find that because it's a standard. It's probably something that Every company is used to have and to do. The same doesn't have in Portugal. Um, so, so the culture and the, the way that people give relevance to the cybersecurity ecosystem in Portugal is not as mature as in other countries. Uh, alongside with the cap- capacity of investment in Portugal is probably a bit lower than in other countries. Uh, so in other words, we either don't or cannot take cybersecurity as seriously as other companies or other, other countries.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. But yeah, I, I definitely, uh, you're right about the ISO thing, you know, it, it's almost like a given in the UK, but yeah. I, never, I never would have thought actually it's a different uh, situation outside of, uh, outside of uh, the island here. So that's really interesting. All right, listen. I'm, um, let's wrap it up. But I, I've got. I'm, I'm super keen to play this little game with you. I always feel awkward playing <laughs> this game, uh, and I think it, it stems from the fact that I find it personally quite difficult. Um, so, so good luck. So, we have got a list of um, of words here, uh, which I'll throw at you. Maybe, maybe kind of ten or so. Uh, and I'm keen to see what the what the first thing is. It doesn't have to be one word, but the first thing that you think of when we when we throw a few few of these terminologies at you. So, are, are you ready?
1: So, so, should I just. Say one word that
0: I say. Say one word or the first thing that comes to your head. All right. Okay. That's gonna All be funny. Right. Okay. We'll, we'll start. We'll start with a few easy ones. Uh, data breach. Money. Uh, cloud.
1: New data centers. Um, certifications. Mandatory.
0: Blockchain. Buzzword. <laughs> Everyone says that. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, password. Old. Virus. Old. <laughs> Mental. Useful. Fishing. Everyday business. Progression. Uh
1: useful security mandatory passion mandatory
0: (laughs) there you go i (laughs) I repeated myself no 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 it's good it's hard isn't it it's uh, it's
1: yeah it is oh when you start that you you kind of think there's a lot of things i can say for each word and then you say (laughs) oh my god what i'm gonna say
0: Uh, I always feel awkward playing that game, but thank you for playing it with us. It's really appreciated. I really appreciate your time. Your insights have been absolutely fascinating. I know people will really, really enjoy this episode. Uh, so thank you for sharing. I, I actually think there's so much more we can cover. So no doubt we'll, we'll have a follow-up session with you if you're yeah. game for that as well, Nuno. Great.
1: Thanks for having me. It was really, really good to have this chat. It, it's a fantastic format for, for this chat.
0: Thank you.